0: setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training.
1: On this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, you'll hear from Rosie Ott, a speech language pathologist in private practice in Manhattan, who has decided how to have two days a week treating her clients so that she can spend the rest of her time with her infant daughter while independent contractors see other clients on her behalf. This is a wonderful episode, especially for people who are thinking about how to balance private practice life and family life. Stay tuned.
2: So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location and the name of your private practice?
3: Sure. So my name is Rosemary Ott, but everybody calls me Rosie. Um, my private practice is named Say Play, speech language therapy, and I'm located in New York City. Fabulous. Well, and I'm
2: just like not that far away in Boston. So oh, cool. So on the same coast. So before we dive in and I hear about your story, and I love talking to New Yorkers about what life is like in private practice mm-hmm. in New York but take us back to like maybe your first job or so like after graduate school, what was your
3: early career like? Sure. So my first job was working at a district 75 school through the department of education. And I was working with high schoolers, actually Um, all basically had a diagnosis of autism. And I found that many of my clients um, were you know, they could be anywhere from 14 to 21 years old. And so you can imagine that they had many years of therapy before meeting me for the first time. And so I would find myself in situations, first of all, in, uh, you know, being a new therapist, as many new therapists are with a caseload of 50, 60 kids, you know, eating lunch with my kids because I didn't have time to even take a break and And I was so eager and trying to get everything done and taking work home with me and all that. So, you know, a lot of therapists can relate to that situation. Um, But clinically speaking, I was seeing these these older children and young adults who had sometimes, you know, 18 years of therapy under their belts. And so it was hard to come in um, kind of thinking of a different way. I come from a very DIR four time background. And so, going in and seeing these clients who may have received like a more ABA therapy their whole life—that was a huge disconnect for me. And being a new therapist, it was a lot of questioning myself, a lot of um, going back to my, you know, graduate school professors and saying, "This is happening. I don't know what to do." You know, because I would have kids who, before you even ask them to do something, or or just even you were just beginning your interaction with them, they would just start pointing at things. Because for years, their interactions with teachers and therapists was just, you know, do this point that, you know, you do all of those types of things that we hear. And so that kind of very quickly began my own experience of feeling like what I wanted to do and what I felt was right therapeutically wasn't matching up with the environment that I was in but wow did I learn a lot that year and I still think about those kids we had so much fun they since they were older they had you know work what's the yeah they had like work experience so we would go out a few times a week and they would all have jobs and that was just so fun for me and I think such a great learning experience as a new clinician that I wasn't just in the therapy room I wasn't just in a classroom you know I went and we, we bused tables. We, restock shelves at Marshall's and those were all things that communication is such a part of our every minute of every day and that really just hit that home for me. So that's where I started and I kind of very quickly realized that I would kind of flourish much better in a more type of clinic environment. So from there I actually found a job doing early intervention. So it's funny because I went from (laughs) 21-year-olds <laughs> to uh, the little, little babies. I I think my youngest through early intervention was eight months old, which was really fun. Um, so I kind of, you know, speaking from where I was, was saying before that it was very hard for me coming, you know, to these children who have had years and years of therapy, I really wanted to start fresh. I wanted to be their that first therapist that they saw. And I really like the idea of going into people's homes and working in a very kind of family-centered manner. So I worked at an early intervention center um, where I did home care in the mornings. And then in the afternoons, I did a socialization group at a center on the Upper East Side. And that was a really cool experience. And that's where I really felt at home and I felt... I learned a lot and I grew my confidence because, and I realized it is a special set of skills to be able to go into someone's home and work with the family. And, you know, every day, I always would joke that the subway is my office because I'd be running, you know, all over New York city, going to different people's homes. And then I would always end on the Upper East Side and do my little socialization group with my little two-year-olds. And then it became a lot. It became, you know, leaving at seven thirty and not getting home until, seven some nights. And so then as many therapists do, I'm thinking, huh, like, I, I'm doing this on my own already. I'm seeing these clients, I was getting referrals outside of my, you know, the job that I was with, because, you know, they didn't know the, the agency, they knew me. And I realized that that's, you know, that's a, a valuable thing that I have going for me that they're They're not asking for my agency. They're asking for me and they're recommending me. And so that's where that idea kind of um, sparked for me. Had you ever considered
2: having a business before?
3: My husband started his own business in 2015. And he's always, he's like a fearless guy. He just has an idea and he does. He's one of those people. I was definitely always a little bit more cautious. And so he had a lot of success. Um, starting his own business and really same thing. He's a chef. And so now he's a restaurant consultant. And so he took, he knew, you know, that he has these set of skills and that um, he was kind of cutting out the middleman and doing what, you know, just doing uh, what, you know, what works for him. So that inspired me for sure. And he was, he was like, come on, let's do it. You got this. What do we need to do? Let's make a website, you know, get your contacts, get all of your old clients to write a little, um, you know, testimonial for you, all of those things. So he was really backing me up. And then before I knew it, it was, I gave in my notice in August and I started in September of 2017. And I haven't looked back
2: that's fantastic. I also wanted to point out that, like, you sound like a very functional therapist, right? You you did this work with the vocational kind of skills, bussing tables yes. and whatnot, right? And early interventions, a lot like that too, right? You're using the home environment. You're using natural oh, yeah. environment. So yes. that's, although it seems like a different population, I think that the skill set that it requires is very, is similar.
3: Yes, absolutely. And that. Yeah, I think that speaks to kind of how I feel as a therapist too, because it needs to be very meaningful to me. I don't do well with like the checklist or, you know, they should know their numbers or their colors because they're two years old. You know, I'm more like, well, let's focus on them, you know, greeting their mom when she comes home from work, things like that you know, the, the everyday social communication stuff that can sometimes, it's so important, but can kind of be left on the wayside because we get so focused on like the checklist of what they should have by preschool or kindergarten. And we're missing that huge foundation of language that we need to see.
2: Yeah, completely. So it sounds like you were in a really good position where you had families who wanted to work with you and you had a husband who had some skills in the consulting industry and who kind of maybe knew some of the steps needed to start a business. You quit your job in August, you started Mm -hmm. in September. So tell us what those first like couple of months were like, you know, transitioning to your private practice life.
3: Sure. So, I mean, oh, they were, it was so fun. It was every, every email I got. I mean, I still feel like that. Every email I get, that's a referral or someone going through my website looking for a phone call or a consultation, I get giddy. You know, I get so excited and I feel so grateful for that. But those first few months, they felt like it was exciting. And I did, I had um, a few early intervention clients that I kept with my old agency as on a fee for service basis, mostly because I just didn't feel right just ending services with them. And I wanted to continue seeing them until they aged out. But it ended up working out nicely because I had that kind of, it wasn't like I just jumped off a cliff, had no clients, nothing. So I had, you know, those few clients going for me. And then really quickly, I started getting referrals and I started doing evaluations. And I would say by, you know, mid November, I was, I was packed or earlier. Wow. And so it was, yeah, it was, it could, I remember I was away on vacation in August of that year, and I had already given in my notice, and I was with my sister, and she was like, "So how's it going?" And I'm like, "Um, you know, it's good. I have like a website." And she's like, "Do you have any clients?" I'm like, "Nope, not yet." And as we were sitting there, I got an email for uh, a set of twins, and I still see them today, and they gave me so much confidence because I was like, "I got this," and we set it all up. I, you know, did my first time sending out all of my paperwork. And it all went well, and they've been the most wonderful family. So I always say, like, they're my like we say play babies. That they gave me that like boost, like, oh, I got this, you know. But it happened pretty pretty quickly. Well, I would say so. From
2: from nothing to <laughs> all within like three months is insane. Yeah, I know it is. It's kind of it is kind of crazy. Is that just because of the demand for services? in New York in addition to people who just wanted you?
3: Yeah, so there is such a high demand. And I think part of the reason it's successful in New York City is because people want you to come to their homes. And so you can imagine, you know, a lot of times with families, even like all of their kids don't even go to the same school for whatever reason. Um, you know, it doesn't work as, it, you know, the same as in like a suburb town where, you know, you everybody who lives in this radius goes to a different school. It works a little different in New York City, so you can imagine a mom of three schlepping around, dropping her kids off, picking her kids up. The last thing they want to think about is then going to an office for speech therapy. And they want the best for their kids, so if they can have a therapist come to their home, you know, at four o'clock, right when their child gets home from school, like great. And and that's actually I get a decent amount of referrals from other private practices don't offer home care. And that's been so wonderful. And also makes me love our profession because there's almost no competition, just like love (laughs) and just share because there's more than enough to go around. So there's not that, you know, I gladly build relationships with lots of different private practices and, you know, we send each other referrals, we bounce ideas off each other. It's really nice.
2: That's so important, right? I think that that, you know, to have that abundance mindset and to have that, you know, with other clinicians too, is really mm-hmm. valuable, right? Because there's certain, you know, whatever your particular favorite kind of client is, that's another kind of client that someone else does not like at all, right? So when, oh. they, when they get a referral for those kids, they're like, oh, I'm sending them to Rosie. <laughs> and then when you yeah. get, I don't know, like a hearing loss kid, and you're like, yep, not me.
3: <laughs> Going to somebody else. Exactly. No, it's so true. I joke about that because I am... I actually do love the kids that, you know, the little two-year-olds with so much energy who, you know, maybe are just discovering, you know, bubbles and scarves and running all over the place. And I always say, like, I was very pregnant. It was very difficult because I'm used to, like, throwing the kids up in the air and playing peekaboo and all that stuff. And I had this huge belly and I was like, oh, can we just sit on the floor (laughs) and just breathe for a minute? So that was an interesting change of pace. But I definitely... I'm drawn to those, you know, kind of lower functioning kids with high energy, and I love working with families. I Like I mentioned, I am, or I might not have mentioned, I'm a DIR, four-time certified therapist, and so I, you know, really make it a focal point of my therapy to include family, to include caregivers. Um, so that's a very specific type of client. And some therapists really are not into, into that. You know, they don't want mom in the room. They want to do their thing. And that's fine. Um, but I do joke with another practice in the area that they can have all of my like articulation clients that i don't really, those are my clients that I'm like, mm, it's not for me. I'm not like a speech girl. I'm more of a language play <laughs> type of
2: girl. <laughs> well, right. So it's just nice to have other people to, you know, send clients to, they send them to you. Right. Because also most speech pathologists want, you know, are all about the greater good and helping people. Right. Absolutely, and, yeah. You know, having, having wait lists and keeping people on a wait list. I, I hate that. Right. Like if, especially with little kids, yeah. like, they need services and they need them now. So spread the yeah. love more clients will come. So having that abundance mindset is really, really important. The other thing I wanted to touch on, I love what you said about when you were with your sister and she mm-hmm. asked you about, you know, yeah, I have the website, but no clients yet. And then an email came in. Like uh-huh. that is amazing. That's something else that I really, I talk about a lot on this podcast, but a lot of times my very beginners, like just don't know when that first client is going to come and i believe that it really they come when you are fully open and ready to serve like when you are ready absolutely. to serve and you put yourself out there and you also kind of stop thinking about it like stop like checking refreshing your email all the time and like checking your phone mm-hmm. like that's when that first client comes when you really truly are ready to help them and it sounds like that's kind of what happened with you
3: oh that's absolutely and i i definitely you know live by that kind of mindset in all areas of my life. Um, I'm definitely like fake it till you make it kind of girl. (laughs) So to me, I was, you know, I had my website, I had read, you know, I was ready to go. And whether there was clients there in September or not, like I was starting my private practice and I didn't, you know, harp and focus so much and like obsess over that first client. I knew they would come and and that Continued to be the case throughout the past two years, you know, with my mindset. Even it's been interesting too, because, ha, you know, being pregnant and, and having a baby and taking maternity leave are all things that I wasn't expecting to plan for this early on in my private practice journey. And when I initially was trying to figure that out, I said, oh, okay, well, I guess this is, you know, I'm just taking a hiatus from my private practice and that's it. And that was my mindset. And my husband kind of was like, why? Let's like ramp it up, hire people, let's get this going. You've been talking about wanting to expand. Let's, and you know, he was my inspiration in that sense. And then now here I am with three clinicians working with me and I am only physically seeing clients two days a week, but I'm, you know, have that abundance of a week's worth of work. And I'm only leaving my daughter twice a week. And you can't do that if you're not in private practice. So it's like, you know, I can't say enough. Positive things. That's incredible.
2: So, so again, husband comes through with pushing you a little bit, <laughs> right? yeah, out of your comfort zone.
3: So, so that schedule sounds pretty ideal. Yes, it's been really nice. I actually just started in September. I took a really nice six months. My daughter was born in March, and I took a few, you know, two weeks before that because she was a nice week late. <laughs> so I was completely out you know, not seeing clients for six months, but I was doing work remotely. And then I had a clinician take on all of my clients and then I was getting referrals. So I got another clinician and it's been, it's been really nice. So yeah, my, my schedule is wonderful. I have no complaints. I have two pretty solidly booked days on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and I leave room for new evals and I leave room for, you know, coaching my clinicians that I do have and all that. And then all my other work is is remote, which is I mean that's it's the dream. Absolutely.
2: Well it also <laughs> sounds like you you created a practice around your life.
3: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, which is is so important and you have you know that's especially you know as a new mom, I can't imagine, you know, leaving for work every day for a job that I hated. And not that I ever hated being a speech language therapist, but you know, working and having 60, 70 clients and and never feeling like you can get ahead of, of the paperwork. And, and when you're just trying to serve others, you know, really, that's what it comes down to. And you get kind of caught up in all the other stuff that goes into it. It can be really overwhelming, and it can make you not like your job. And so the fact that I have been able to kind of curate a practice exactly like you said, to fit my life, and to know, you know, today I'm leaving my daughter, but I'm meeting her with, you know, everything I'm doing is with such intention and with such, you know, I'm going out there and doing exactly what I want to do with my time. And that's really important to me.
2: Yeah. I think that's fantastic. So the days when you are seeing clients, what are those mm-hmm. days? Like, I always love to hear about like yeah. on the go Manhattan therapists. <laughs>
3: <laughs> tell, us, tell us how it goes for you. Sure. So, Right now, I'm seeing about six a day um, through home care. And most of them are they're either 45, or 45 minutes or an hour sessions. And so I leave my apartment around 8, 8.30 and get to my first client around 9.30. And, and you know, I just go from there and I take a good chunk of time in the middle of my day that I can kind of sit right now. I don't know if this is TMI, but I am dealing with having to pump for my daughter. So that's been an interesting (laughs) component to my day. I have to plan time for that, which I didn't realize. I've had to adjust my timing a little bit there. So yes. So I do take like a chunk of my day to do some paperwork, catch up, eat, all that stuff. And then I'm on the go again. So I I typically do like, three or four clients, a little bit of break, three or four clients, I think and I'm on my way home.
2: I love it. That sounds yeah. like, and then you have independent, are they independent contractors or employees?
3: Yes, yes. So right now it's just independent contractors. And actually I, when I was working at the early intervention center, I was lucky enough to um, supervise clinical fellows. And so they're my old clinical fellows And so it's the best, I mean, I couldn't ask for anything better. They're amazing. Well, because you kind of trained them a little bit. I know. And I, you know, I trust them and I know that they're going to, you know, because they're independent contractors, but they still have, they're representing We Say Play. And so I need to make sure that they're top notch. They know how to work with families. They know even just home care etiquette. You know, you don't realize some some people have never done home care, and so little things like taking off your shoes and washing your hands. You know, they, they're second nature to me, but it's very important those little like pieces of etiquette that you just have to do when you go into someone's home and you're going to be working with their kid and touching their kid and and just little you know it's like shows of faith like that. So I'm so lucky that I have them and I can trust them and they you know, we can talk very casually and all that stuff. And I just, they're so great. And they're so like eager to take on clients. They never say no. I'm like, this might be a little bit of a schluck for you. What do you think? And they are like, no, let's breathe. Add it on. I'm like, yes, you guys are awesome. So it's, it's really
2: nice. That, that sounds just so ideal, your whole situation. So, all right. So right now you've got two <laughs> weeks week that you're doing and you've got a couple other people filling in other time. And I know that you said that you just kind of went to this schedule, but what do you see as the future for you and your practice?
3: Yeah. So I'd like to, I've been thinking about that a lot and I would like to make it more kind of like a brand almost. I would like to have more of a presence on social media and even have, you know, content that people could, you know, look at and use because I do think, you know, I, I know so much about language development and how to work with young kids who are having issues with language development. And I, I think there's so much confusion out there for parents. Like, I just think there's never enough resources for parents and there's a lot of misinformation. And so I'd like to try and fill that gap a little bit and just provide, you know, some of my knowledge associated under We Say Play's name and then I just like to continue to expand and, and keep on, you know, having independent clinicians take on clients. I'd like to continue. I did the level one professional training for DIR floor time. There are different levels. And so I'd like to move on to the level two things like that. Um, but yeah, my, my main goal is to continue my, um, you know, only seeing clients two or three days a week so I can be at home with my daughter as much as possible. And then just, expanding and and having we say play be a name that people really know throughout the city and 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 a you know a practice that they can trust and and they think of and i i made it you know it's a unique name we say play and i did that on purpose because i wanted play to be in the forefront i wanted it to be known that you know it's your child shouldn't even know they're in therapy when we're with them it should just be fun and we should be just meeting them where they're at, playing on the floor, getting dirty, having a good time, you know, no tabletop work, just fun.
2: Because <laughs> you're a functional therapist.
3: Exactly. That's me.
2: <laughs> I'm, Rosie, I just think that you have have made such tremendous gains to it, like since you got started, right? Like the fact that this whole yeah. year, your practice isn't that old to be... No like this established and, and working so nicely for you and for your family. Um, I just, I, I think that you're really onto something and I do, I love the name of your company and there is a tremendous, yeah, it's an awesome name. We say play. I love it. And especially (laughs) what you said about the play part. Like I also have little kids and I, you know, my oldest just went to kindergarten and they were so, it's now going to be, it was a half day kindergarten. Now it's full day. Anyway, but they mm-hmm. were saying about like how much like playtime there there is there's going to be like way more playtime that now that they have that full day, right? Like in some ways it's not ideal to have like kids right. at school for way longer than maybe they need to be. But they right. were basically saying that instead of adding like more stuff to the curriculum or whatever, there's just going to be more time for play and more time for recess and whatever. That's- and as a parent i was like oh thank god that sounds great right yep. so this what today's parent i think is really looking for is more play time because we know that there's so much structured stuff that our kids are up against we want the play
3: absolutely yeah and it's so important and i want to for parents to feel confident and i want them to feel you know empowered when they're working with their kids and that's a big part of my practice too is that you know i want mom and dad and caregivers whoever's involved to be so comfortable getting down on the floor and working with their kid and, and you know, developing, you know, because I work with kids, you know, young kids with autism. And so you find that these children with autism, they have these, you know, sensory motor issues that inhibit them from creating these connections. Things like that I see my daughter doing now, the, you know, blowing raspberries back and forth, that eye contact, the peekaboo, just any, any you know, those juicy interactions that you have with the baby, that those kids with autism are missing for whatever reason that, you know, those um, intrinsic biological things that are getting in their way that inhibit them from creating those interactions. And so a lot of my work is just getting in there with the parents and helping them reconnect to their child, like as if they were that little, you know, six-month-old baby. And so that's hard work and it's important work, but it's, fun work and it create you know you have to get silly you have to do the peekaboo you have to do the raspberries and it can feel kind of counterintuitive to do that with a three-year-old you know but it's so important and it gets us back to that foundation where we're seeing the joint attention and the reciprocity and engagement and all of that all those amazing things that help us develop language all the good stuff that comes before the first word right so A lot of my work is helping parents, you know, because you can imagine, you know, someone who works in an office all day and then to tell them like, all right, now you're going to pretend you're a horse and your kid's going (laughs) to, you know, it could take a look. They're like, what? Who are you? What's going on? So most of my work is explaining to people what I'm doing (laughs) and then we have fun. Well, it sounds like you, you have fun, but you've also found a
2: way to have a lot of success and still have that time with your family,
3: which is like what you were longing for in the first place. Absolutely. I know I feel so lucky. I really do. I feel so lucky every day. And it's fun to have something, you know, I'm the type of person that I need to keep growing. I, I, I need to know that there's something else that that you know, what's next? Can we expand? Can we become a brand? Can we do this? You know, what can I do next? Um, instead of just, you know, just doing the same thing and not knowing, you know, I'm not, I can't do the same thing for 20 years. I got to change it up and do, do different things. So that's what I love.
2: Well, it sounds like you're off to a fantastic start and you have some plans for the future and I can't wait to see how they come together. Thank you so much. Yeah. I love, I just, I love hearing people. I feel like there's a lot of ways that we're, we're similar that just like have, have some ideas, have put them into action. Things are going well, but we can always be mm-hmm. thinking about like, okay, what, what might that next step be? And like, how can we serve more people on a deeper level? Right? Absolutely. We've helped lots of people Absolutely. and we're very proud of that, but we know mm-hmm. there's more that we can do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you're a great example of that. And And I think that there are so many people in this community who just, you know, kind of blow me away. And so it's, it's really inspiring. And it's, we're so lucky that we are in this field that allows so much growth and even just so much, you know, it's so versatile. You can do so many different things, hospitals, elderly, schools, private practice. It's really incredible. Like you can't think of another job that could allow that much flexibility, really. So we're so lucky that this field allows for that type of growth and inspiration and all that. We chose well.
2: <laughs> well we did choose. We absolutely did. I feel very blessed every day really that I found this profession and then even more blessed I slash also you have found a way to make it your own, right? To take mm-hmm. all of the good about the profession and then also um, remove some of the stuff that doesn't work for us and mm-hmm. create private practices around our lives which I think most of the people listening are either they they're just starting a private practice or they're thinking about doing it and this is exactly what they want or they already have an established private practice and maybe this this was their goal but they didn't they don't quite have that and they now need to figure out how to you know how to modify what they've created and built to get back to their original vision so I think that you're that this interview is going to inspire both people who are just getting started as well as people who have, but may need to make a change to be more in alignment with their original vision. Yeah. I hope so. That's so great. Well, this whole thing has been great. So (laughs) so Rosie, again, I can't thank you enough for being on, on the podcast and I wish you all of the luck in the world with, you know, continuing what you've created and then expanding and please keep in touch with me and let you n-
3: me know what you end up doing next. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate this opportunity. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Well, we'll talk soon.
1: Okay, great. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you really liked hearing how Rosie has been able to have a balanced and intentional private practice so that she can spend time with her family While serving the people in Manhattan, I also love how she has a growth mindset and is thinking about what can come next and how she can continue to serve her community and change even more lives. If this is something you're interested in, if you are interested in starting a private practice so that you can change more lives but also like spend more time with your family, then what I want you to do is download my free private practice roadmap. You can pick that up at startyourprivatepractice.com/roadmap. This goes through all of the steps that you need to know to start a private practice. There are five big steps and I go through them in the roadmap and that will really help you know what steps you need to complete in order to get started so that you can have an amazing private practice like Rosie, if that's what you want. So again, you can go to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash roadmap and pick up your free roadmap. All right, thank you for listening. And next week we'll be back with another episode with another private practitioner who's out there doing amazing things. Till then.